Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think the Podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And, and I Pierre, I'm the fourth host. I'm the fourth host. <laughs> I joined. Dr. Pierre Corey in our fourth square today. He's our favorite co-host ever, ever. We want to add him permanently to the fourth square. But I woke up giddy this morning because I knew that in this, we, we deal with so much heavy information and today will be no different. We're going to talk about some heavy crap that's going on in the world. But when I know Pierre's on with us, I'm like, I get energized because he, honestly, Dr. Corey, you're just, and I was saying this before we hit record, you have the ability to tell the story in a way that's so compelling of what has transpired over the years. And even as a doctor, you're not talking over our heads and you've become so real. In fact, we in, we um, interviewed Dr. Brian Hooker uh, from yeah. Children's Health Defense this week. And I read when I was promoing his yeah. book, I read what you wrote about his book. Yeah. So compelling when you say, I was on the other side and I trusted and I thought and I believed and I am humbled and enraged. And and that just stuck with me. I am humbled and I'm enraged. And I think our prayer for this world is more doctors will wake up to what you know now. And that they will listen, but you just encourage all of us, those of us who are in this fight, or even those of us who are just awake, but you're not fighting yet. I'm going to encourage you get in the fight. It's going to take a lot of us to wake everybody up to what's happening. But you, you really have become one of our favorite people to listen to and Mm -hmm. learn from. And I just feel like, man, you get up there and you like, you make me want to fight. You you guys, I I mean, you're smart, you're funny, you guys smile a lot. So, because there's not a whole lot to smile about uh, when we talk about these kind of topics. But yeah, I do want to say one thing that was weird. When I started out in medicine, like even as a medical student, I had a really good ear for when my doctors, the doctors who trained me, when they were talking to patients, I would be like, Oof. I would hear them using like really fancy words, like saying things that there's no way a lay person is going to understand what they mean. And I just, you saw this huge disconnect. So I always took a lot of care to use kind of straightforward, simple language to talk to people, just so that you make sure that they understand you. And so I, I think that's carried uh, over. It is carried over. And so every patient wants a doctor with that bedside manner too, that yep. it has the ability to help you understand what's going on in your own body and then what needs to happen next. Right. And, no and I think that we all look for that. And I'm going to point everybody back to two things. One is our first interview with you um, right here on this podcast. That again, I think it's our, it's, if it's not our most listened to, I think it's when the top two most listened to podcasts and 
and to read your book. If they have not read <laughs> The War on Ivermectin, I want to give everyone a newsflash. It's really not just about Ivermectin. Mm -mm. This is the inside story of really Dr. Corey's own awakening to the medical system, the political system, the great amount of fraud that's involved, the lack of concern or care for health or people at this point, and how ivermectin was kind of one of the eye openers mm -hmm. um, to, you know, uh, what was actually going on. The fact that you knew, so many other doctors knew, it was an effective drug at treating COVID, and yet it was being told by everyone, including Merck, who initially put the drug out there, that it wasn't. And yeah. the way that you lay it out, everyone go read it, go read it because it, it's so easy to read and it lays out for you undeniable facts of absolute fraud. And yeah. that's what you need to be awake to. So Dr. Corey, ever since you stood out there in front of a microphone and we saw your face and we heard you, this was way back in 2020. And we're like, who is this, who are these doctors? You know, FLCCC, who are these doctors? They know something. We want to know what they know. And following you, it's been so cool to watch your whole eyes kind of. And one of the things I've heard you talk about that I'm very excited to hear you speak out so publicly on, and we know is a taboo topic because guess what? We have been deplatformed on Instagram. Mm -hmm. All 40 plus thousand, 42, 43,000 of our followers are gone. We have what? no way of getting it back. Just happened last week. Just happened last week. And you know why? Dr. Corey, the last thing we shared was we told our audience that the Hep B vaccine had only been studied for five days. The thing they didn't tell them, it was Aaron Siri, the lawyer. It was a video of him showing the absolute truth and evidence. And it was from the FDA website. It's on the FDA website. It's on the vaccine insert. And yeah, we, I don't that's not, we don't have any reason. It just, that's the last time we, that's the last thing we posted. Yeah, you can say, I mean, you can say very true things. In fact, yeah. I get fact checked to deaths on all the truths and then they present, you know, alternate facts. And I, I don't know how it works, but. It's wild, right? But, but I love that you have taken, I mean, listen, I think at this point, you know, you're, you're in it and you're like, I'm going to say what's true. And at this point, let it fall where it falls because I'm going to tell the truth. But yep. you have been more vocal in saying, hey, these childhood vaccines, I mean, you said it in Dr. Hooker's book, you know, at the, at the, at the preface for that when they, or the, when you gave your, you know, two yeah, cents on the book, you said, hey, I trusted vaccines were saving humanity. And now I know. So will you tell the audience what, what happened? Where did you change yeah. course? <laughs> well, you know, going back to what a couple of things you said, right? So like, I, I like how you described the book, because really my study of ivermectin really opened the door into and then then this my expertise that I developed and then when I tried to do what I've always done which is an educator like that's literally what I did I taught students fellows residents and I tried to teach the world and what came back at me you know kind of opened the door that that I was up against something I'd never seen felt known about and then the depth <laughs> into which I fell once I went in, you know through that door I'm trying to use that extended metaphor but I think you guys get what I mean, but you know, first it was ivermectin, and then I started studying the COVID vaccines, and you know, because VAERS was blowing up, and I thought that was curious, and I the, the narrative around ivermectin, you know, that that's also what what you said, like when I opened my eyes, like politically, 
really in terms of the media, you know, I saw all these social media policies like thou shalt not mention the word hydroxychloroquine or whatever. And I was like, that's a little weird. Why can't we just talk about it? Um, then, you know, I started seeing just ivermectin lies printed in like the top newspapers in the world. And it was the same formula, same five statements, same, you know, quoted some PhD MD from some eminent institution. Like you could see this formula and they were just propelling these lies and it just freaked me out. And and then I started sending the vaccines and it was like a mirror image of ivermectin. So, you know, one was an ineffective horse dewormer and the other one was safe and effective. And they were such flagrant lies. And those are the two lies that were going around, right? Because you had to destroy ivermectin to prop up the vaccines. But but the toxicity and lethality of the vaccines and the, the data on how compelling uh, it was showing that it was toxic and lethal, not only you didn't even have to look at data. I mean, most people in their just little one degree of separation in their networks were meeting and knowing people who were dying injured. You know, I had, I had friends who knew, uh, you know, old friends from college that were calling me because they were hearing me speak out about things. And one of them called me one day and he's like, he's like, man, I, he's like, I, I'm really freaked out, man. I, you've been right. And he's 50 years old in his golf group. One of his 50 year olds, father of three, you know, dropped dead. Another one, 52 year old fit playing golf, huge brain bleed in the middle of the night, you know, all within weeks of each other. And so like, People started to see these lies. And anyway, so it was just, and then I kept studying. Then going back to your original question, then we come to the childhood vaccines. Because now my mind is open for everything. And then I read what I think is a masterpiece of a scientific book, which is Turtles All the Way Down. I mean, I've never read anything so, so clearly presented, so thoroughly, comprehensively, and logically and you you get to the end of that book and you you're transformed. I mean, it's such a fascinating book when you learn about the polio story and how complex that was and how it probably wasn't polio and actually certainly wasn't polio. And so I, I just you know and that and then and then at the end of that book and then dissolving illusions. I remember one yeah. night I tweeted out to to the world. I just said because I have three girls um, and I think you, if you read the book, you know I also have two girls who had a disease. That is right. highly associated with vaccines, you know, pandas. Yep. And pandas. so then I discovered, like, <laughs> I discovered in this journey that I literally have had two vaccine injured girls. Um, and so, yes. you know, I tweeted out one night, I said, you know, if I had young children today, um, they would not get one single vaccine, period. Period. And that's period. a strong statement from a medical doctor. When we know from the time you're in medical school, which we I think we've asked every doctor this, and we've probably asked you this before, but Dr. Corey, when you were in medical school, how much education did you get on vaccines? Zero. It's accepted as a truth. There's nothing, there's no, there's, why would you discuss vaccines? I mean, they're, they're, they're a public good. They've clearly eradicated the world of childhood illnesses. Um, you know, they might, you know, you didn't really talk about toxicity. You knew that there could be a side effect. You never knew how severe they were. Um, you never told about SIDS. You, you, I mean, there was just nothing. It was just an accepted thing. And like, I, I bet you every pediatrician in this country, they go through pediatric training and you know what they're taught about the vaccines? The schedule. That's what mm -hmm. they know by heart. They're like, ah, yes, yeah, so at two months, you give this, four months, you give that. So they can rattle off like experts. But it's bizarre. I mean, it's this most superficial understanding that, that they literally know the schedule. That's it. That's and they it. also, I bet you they know how much they get compensated for and how well their practice does when 80% of their kids are up to date with all their vaccines and all that. I oh, you guys that. know a fun fact? Well, you guys probably should know it if you, if you read the book. But um, 
I went to medical school late. I was 29 when I went to medical school. Mm -hmm. I was in the restaurant business all of my 20s. And yeah. then I went to graduate school and I, I got hard to do research. And I literally was the program director of a CDC funded project studying four different incentives to improve immunization coverage rates in the inner city, the nine poorest neighborhoods of New York City. That's literally what I did. I was doing chart reviews. I would go to these really tough neighborhoods with a little backpack and a computer. And I was doing these, these chart uh, reviews in these, in these little uh, doctor's offices. And so I was literally helping the CDC figure out how to raise in. That's what I did in my 20s. <laughs> well, yeah. But now you'll get to save families. And the reason I know that you will is because even with our podcast, we get messaged regularly. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you. My child is well. I'm not vaccinating my infants well. None of my kids' friends who are on the schedule are well children. Is that a coincidence, right? And we know it's probably not a coincidence because now, as we interviewed Dr. Hooker this week with his book that he co-authored with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., The Vaxxed Versus Unvaxxed, Let the Science Speak, there's a clear indication there that, mm -hmm. that there's better health outcomes overall for kids who are not not vaccinated. And yet that's not, that's so contrary to what we've believed, which is you vaccinate your child to save their lives. And then of course, save humanity's lives, which we've not done either. <laughs> and, and you know, no. it's interesting. It, it's, I don't know if I want to say it's sad, but like, for instance, I, I was consulted yesterday by a patient um, who came, you know, scheduled a visit with me because they're, 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 uh, his wife is pregnant. And they wanted to know my opinion on vaccines. And I told them my opinion, but I, I gave them those references. I said, you need to read Turtles All the Way Down, Dissolving Illusions, especially Turtles All the Way Down because it's so highly referenced. They, everything mm -hmm. they say, they back up with a citation. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the vaccine campaign and that industry has weaponized so much. They've weaponized regulations and laws in the schools and in the courts where these mandated. So once you provide someone with this information and they have a young child that they're trying to bring up in, in the United States of Pharma, right? That's what this country is. It's the United States of Pharma. And they're going to have a rough ride. And like, it's, it, you, 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 you're really, your options in a lot of states are like uh, homeschooling or, yep. or moving to a state where they, they don't mandate, you know, because no doctors can write exemptions. They go after doctors who write exemptions. I mean, it, it's literally a war around these vaccines. And it's, um, yeah. It, it, Ugh, I feel bad and for parents of young children who have this knowledge, but like they will keep it safe and healthy. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, they, they, there's that meme or something where you're like, I, I've posted it before, where it's like you see someone who's pregnant, and the first thing you think is, "Don't vaccinate that baby." Yeah. Don't vaccinate that baby. And this is coming from mamas who vaccinated their kids. You yeah. know, and that's the thing. It's like you can call. I'm not. We we say it all the time. We're not anti-vaxxers. We're former vaxxers. When you right. know better, you do better. Like my whole mantra is my Angelo. You know, <laughs> I haven't heard. I haven't heard that because I'm the same. I'm, I'm a former vaxxer, uh, not an anti vaxxer. Yeah. Former yeah. vaxxer. We've learned. Like we're supposed to gain knowledge and experience and wisdom as we grow. And I'm just going to say that's one yeah. area I gain some wisdom in. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, we're allowed to learn new things. We're allowed yeah. to learn new things. We're allowed to change our mind. Yeah. We're allowed to grow. And, and are, are you allowed? Uh, Amy, are you allowed to do your own research? Is that is that allowed? Yeah. Well, apparently, yeah, we are, but apparently they're trying to tell us we're not. Yeah, well, don't listen. You've heard, you've heard the uh, the Jimmy Dore joke, right? Yes. Where, where he's yes. like, he's like, you know, he's, people are yelling at me, you know, you can't do your own research. And he said, you know, doing your own research used to be called reading. Reading. <laughs> yeah. It's called reading. 
And it's so wild. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll mention this again, back, my, my son is 25 and my oldest. And so when it was 1998, when I think when Jenna, Jenny McCarthy, we're going to talk about Jenna, your co-author right. in a minute, right. Jenny McCarthy wrote, wrote, started speaking out about her vaccine injured child and the autism and remember how she was demonized. And, and I remember thinking, I'm not necessarily a Jenny McCarthy fan. Like I'm not watching MTV at this point in my life, you know, when I'm raising my yeah. kids. Not much, and I wasn't a Playboy subscriber, so I didn't know. I didn't really know her. What you know? What resonated with me though, Dr. Corey, was I heard her mother's heart, like, and mm -hmm. I and I I could discern this is a woman who's trying to just warn another mother. Like mm -hmm. that's that's how it felt. And so, but people would say, "Who are you to take medical advice from a Playboy money?" And I'm like, I'm taking medical advice from an educated mother with experience. And that's a completely different thing. And the fact that we have now said that only people with letters behind their names can think. What if you have just abdicated your critical thinking skills to the people with three letters behind their names? Take a good look at the academic institutions who were putting those letters behind the names of these people. Mm. They're bullshit at this point. They are. I, mean, I hate to say mm. that, but in the vast majority, I have no respect for anymore. Well, you know? here's my take on that. Because being a former, you know, multiple lettered person, I, I mean, I still have the letters. I just uh, I have a little bit wider range of information sources. But no, what I think, you know, in my most generous moments, I try to forgive the doctors and the physician class in COVID because they yeah. are truly victims. They were yeah. distinctly uncurious victims, but they mm -hmm. are victims of an information assault. And they subside on a diet that is restricted to these high impact journals. And yeah. pharma knows that. They run those journals and have for decades. So you have these doctors who are thinking that they have access to the most expert, erudite, specialized information that none of you little people can have access to. Mm -hmm. That is the reality. That is the science and the truth. And then people like you or like Jenny McCarthy was like talking about how like, wait a second, doc, you're telling me this from your journals. But I'm looking around. I'm seeing what happened to my kid. I'm meeting other women who's happened to their kids. And it's like, you know, you, your little expertise here is not matching my reality. And and never has that discord been wider than in COVID. I mean, the, the, the circles that I travel, I'm sure you guys are in the same in my network. And, and I guess I'm going to call it a bubble because they're a wake bubble. But people are terrified of going to the hospitals. They're dropping okay. their primary care providers. Uh, they don't want to go to their pediatricians. You, you know, it's like the, 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 you, you said at the beginning, they better wake up. That whole yeah. profession and that field is is in danger. Um, it's, yeah. it's lost the trust of a good portion of, of society. And um, right. I, I hope it actually does disintegrate. And and something else gets built up in its in its place. It was something that the FLCC is trying to do, actually. Yes. Um, yes. Because yeah. we, want, we want you to talk about FLCCC and also what you're doing in February with your medical yes. conference out there. We want, but yeah, let, yeah, inform the listeners on what you're trying to do here. Yeah. So we, you know, a conference in February, it's uh, February, I think, second, third, fourth uh, in Phoenix. And um, this is our third conference. The first two were really kind of very focused on uh, the study of spike protein induced diseases like long COVID, long vax, have treated. Um, which is this, it's going to still be a good portion of this conference, but we really want to focus on building kind of a home for both patients and providers. And so we've been working a lot in the organization on, on building really kind of an online forum to bring 
patients and professionals in different areas. So there's some patient forum groups, provider only groups, you know, where we can speak freely, share our insights, our experiences. Um, you know, we have to moderate that because when you start talking medicine, you have to be careful about, you know, making recommendations and, you know, you don't want to hurt anyone with information. But, right. um, you know, I, I think it's a place, uh, you know, to come to for those who realize that, you know, these institutions are broken, they're captured, they, they're yeah. issuing like literally deadly advice on a daily basis. I mean, you, you guys seen this week with the WHO, every pregnant woman should get a vaccine. I mean, it's absolutely now. Like I'm just it's it's mind blowing. And so people know that they know it's destroyed. And so. We're trying to have a place where people can get like objective, sound, pragmatic medical advice from studied experts who have no confidence. We don't sell vitamins. We don't, you know, we're not trying to make money. I mean, we, we literally survive on donations and we try yeah. to put out sound guidance that's objective, that's not influenced by any financial interest. And I think there's an appetite for, for that. So I hope people well, come. Well, and, I want to speak to that yeah. too, like that I have personally used ever since y'all have been organized, I have sent and saved the FLCC protocols and the updated ones yes. ever since y'all started it. Like it has helped us so much when anybody, you know, for prevention, early treatment, long treatment, long COVID, and now y'all even have flu and RSV. And and the thing is, you have the protocol and y'all have the science. It's not like just Fauci or Walensky or Mandy Cohen just saying, oh yeah, it's heavily, you know, supported. We've studied it, you know, got a yeah. lot of great studies. I'm like, you studied it on 10 mice. Let but me put, let me put a started. shout out because you mentioned a whole bunch of, I'm sorry, you mentioned so much of our protocols and they've been huge because we're you know we're constantly being bombarded with all this infectious illness fear porn and all that stuff but i just want to call out you know paul marrick my partner he spent months of work and he's written a cancer care book really on yes. the 20 top repurposed drugs for cancer and you know this is stuff that oncologists don't do right it's, it's chemo radiation rinse repeat right it, it, that's all they offer it's like a two-trick pony and there, there are numbers of really safe, effective therapies that you can do to treat cancer. You can do it adjunctively. You don't, you don't have to abandon your oncologist or, you know, uh, guidelines of care, but you can do adjunctive care. And I think, as you guys know, these are all becoming major public health issues. I mean, cancer always was, but are you kidding me? Now no, it's, it's like we're getting an epidemic of it in the wake of this stuff. So. Um, and I'm gonna, so glad y'all had that. I actually just sent that to my parents. Uh, just today I sent the, the cancer protocol and to my parents. And I want to even listen to him talk about it too, because there's some videos on there as well. And I wanted to ask you, because I was trying to look for it, because I mean, we can I just, you don't have to touch on it now, but I do want to ask you about it. Like ivermectin and cancer. Are y'all looking at so, that? Because there's tons when, of studies with that. When, but, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, so here's the thing. If you look at Paul's book, ivermectin actually doesn't rank high, although I believe it's very, it's highly effective because Paul really orders his, um, his treatments based on the evidence basis. So the larger the evidence base, the higher it ranks. Doesn't mean, because like, for instance, ivermectin, well known to treat tumors. I mean, there's dozens of case reports and examples and we're getting tons more anecdotes now of, of ivermectin. And um, my mom actually sees an integrative oncologist and she's on ivermectin. And this, that's a deeply studied integrative oncologist. And what's interesting is in my private practice, which focuses, uh, which I focus on long vax and long COVID, uh, me and my partner, we're actually going to start offering um, consultations for complementary cancer protocols. 
Um, we we oh. know a lot of these medicines. Um, you know, folks need access. I mean, you try to go to your oncologist and get them to, you know, prescribe you ivermectin or mebendazole and niclosamide or, you know, some of the other things yeah. that we know that work. Good luck. And so, you know, I almost feel like I, I'm doing like a repeat of COVID, which is like, you know, giving yeah. people access to sound guidance and, and access to these medicines, right? And, and what saved us in COVID, as you guys know, is the compound pharmacy system. I mean, they, they yeah. shut down those retails. You guys know those retail pharmacists, yeah. You know, with the arrogance and indignation, I'm not oh, giving yeah. you a horse dewormer, you know, and, and yeah. it's going to be the same yeah. thing. And so, you know, again, it's almost like a parallel system here that we're, we're you know, I'm trying to build. And, and so we'll see. Yeah. That is amazing because we need that. And yeah. uh, so we already know so many people that have can and we've seen what ivermectin can do. And it's not just ivermectin, there's all the adjunctive therapies and doctors are so quick to just go chemo radiation surgery. That's all you can do. That's all you yeah. can do. And there's so many other things. And we're not saying not to do chemo and radiation, but we're just saying, hey, you can add this to it and your quality of life would be better. And it could prolong your life because we all know it. chemo, honestly, it really hasn't done a whole lot of good. It's just, it's done a whole lot of good for pharma. Yes. It's, um, and I'll, I'll tell you this, we have a friend and I sent her our ivermectin, our sub stack after uh, talking to you, Dr. Corey. And, um, and they took it. She just got diagnosed with breast cancer and they took it to they asked the doctor about it. And he actually was like somewhat open to it. But they said he said he was worried about what it would do to her liver and she's going to be getting chemo and radiation. I'm like, what? You're worried about this. And you're recommending chemo and radiation and surgery. And you're worried about her liver with ivermectin that it would have you'd have to take like two tons of it. Yes. That's number one. Number two, out of like whatever, four billion doses, there's two case reports of hepatitis. Four billion doses. And and I read I read both of them. One it had a good story. The other one I wasn't totally convinced it was the ivermectin. It was like 30 days later after taking it and it was unclear. But anyway, um ivermectin's used for fatty liver. It has mechanisms where you could treat the you know fatty liver with it. So but it's just misinformation, right? People are not studying this. But here here's an interesting uh, data point is um, a colleague of mine uh, actually who has breast cancer and she was, uh, uh, she's actually a physician. She was calling me because she really wanted to figure out what dose she should take, uh, you mm -hmm. know, chronically. And she actually found that there's, there's like a high level breast cancer surgeon at some major institution in New Jersey right now is in the middle of a phase three randomized clinical trial of ivermectin and breast cancer. And so she knew one of the, she knew the dose from that protocol. And so it, it's kind of interesting that, because as soon as I heard that, I'm like, who's letting her get away with that? And where's the funding coming from? Because that's not Fauci and NIH that's going to fund no, that. Stuff, sure. you know, or the National Cancer Society. You know, it's no. like. <laughs> well, and I know we could swap stories for days, but my dad just told me this last week, which by the way, like big fan and ivermectin, he, he, heart disease patient took ivermectin through COVID did beautifully. Right. Like, yep. thank God for that information in the FLCCC protocol. However, he started he's the one that started taking it to all the people in his uh, rural hometown that were sick. And, and I truly believe saved lives doing it. Um, he was taking the protocol to people. But I will tell you, um, he so he starts talking to a guy that he's helped who almost died of COVID, but he got them the drugs. This guy's I think daughter in law has cancer. So he my dad. So my dad and this guy say, hey. There's this research on ivermectin, start taking it. She goes to her appointment a few weeks ago and the oncologist goes, hang on, I need to ask you a question. Your tumors are shrinking, but there's no way they would have shrunk on our, there's no way they would have shrunk on our treatment. I need to know what else you're doing. And she told him. And, you, you know, 
I mean, we can only hope to open eyes one step at a time and see things clinically and, 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 and really help both doctors and patients get educated on options. Because as you said, it's, it's a complicated situation. We're not saying it fixes everything, but the fact that she's seeing a shrinking tumor and he couldn't explain it any other way, that's some compelling yeah, information. I, I probably have 18 of those anecdotes where that's happened to doctors. They couldn't figure out why the patient got that much better that quicker. But, yeah. you know, because that's what physicians are. We, what we have, what we are really expert in is in pattern recognition on observation. Yeah. So physicians know patterns. And when something doesn't follow a pattern, physicians will ask that question. Like, what what, what happened here? What, what, yeah. And I like the question, what else did you do? Because I usually don't see yeah. this happen, you know. Um, here's another interesting point is, you know, in, in kind of planning for offering some complementary care uh, protocols to people, um, I tried to source mabendazole because it's extremely effective retail. It's doubtful insurance is going to cover it as a chronic drug. And so I reached out to my compounder and he told me an interesting story. He said that it, it, it changed at the end, but he says it has been impossible to get what's called the API, which is the active pharmaceutical ingredient, because that's how you make all these drugs or compound them, could not get its source. And he basically said that he was told that somebody was either controlling or bought up, like exclusively bought up all the supply. But then about five days ago, out of nowhere, he said, I'm pretty sure I have a source now and I'll be able to compound it. So it's, wow. it's, it's still war everywhere. Yeah. Now, is that something as fenbendazole? Like you're saying, it's, 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 so fenben is, is the animal version. Mubendazole is the human version. So, okay. Good to know. It reminds me of, the, of you telling the story about when they were studying ivermectin and then suddenly they said, we're out of ivermectin. Remember that? And, and the journalist called. Yeah. By the way, by the way, that's one of the major things that I said in the UK Parliament on Monday. And the reason why is that Oxford, that's, an, that's a trial out of Oxford, right? That has been completed 16 months ago. The world still doesn't know the answer. And, and one, of the, one of my kind of my the high points of my testimony in the UK Parliament was that based on that book, I said the most, some of the most brazen acts of fraud around ivermectin occurred in the UK at the University of Liverpool. And I named names. I said, Professor Andrew Hill, Professor Andrew Omens, and then there's Professor Christopher Butler at Oxford. And I told those MPs, maybe you should ask those universities what the hell they're doing because they're pulling this brazen. And then I gave them those examples, like how they tried to stop the trial in the middle saying that they ran out and how they're just sitting on the data. They're not releasing it to the world. So the, the MPs were taking notes. They were taking notes. Mm -hmm. Well, I tell you, are we going to see that? Are we going to be able to see that yes. testimony? Okay, good. So, yeah, it's odd. A couple of, so, yeah. So, anyway, so you guys know who Andrew Bridgen is, right? He's literally the only man standing in the UK in, in terms of the MPs. Only <laughs> man in the entire government. By the way, you know how many MPs are in the UK? It's 652. Oh, my and God. there's one. One guy taking all the arrows, all the arrows. He got kicked out of the Tory party over his whatever behavior and views because he he you know he falls in with conspiracy theorists and he's trying to kill everyone because he's an anti-vax. I mean, the British press are brutal to him. He is one of the kindest, funniest, smartest guys I've met. I've gotten I've gotten to have dinner with him. I spent actually the weekend with him. We were at a we were at a country estate being hosted by a lovely couple. <laughs> and so it was, but Andrew's Andrew's just you know ferociously courageous, and 
you know, he's had a he, he's had a hearing on excess mortality a month ago, and then he had this meeting. Now, this wasn't an official hearing; they wouldn't allow that. Um, but it was a meeting in Parliament House, and the the room I think originally was supposed to fit three hundred, then it went to seventy five, and then like the day of, we were given like this small room. It was so uncomfortable and weirdly situated. We were given like this little TV screen where you could put your slides up, and so like there's like. 40, maybe 50 people in the room. And I mean, the MPs that sat close could see it, but I'll tell you. Um, and then we had to use like a, a human had to do the slide advancing. And then Peter oh. McCullough and Mike Yeaton, who had, who had recorded their testimony. So when it was their turn, we were going to play it on the television. Guess what? The television was muted and there was no remote in the room. No. And AV support was not available. Now, Andrew made a joke. He said, you know, that could just be <laughs> normal parliament you know, you know, institutional bureaucracy screw ups, but it, it did yeah. seem awfully coincidental. But despite that, so people were filming with their phone because they oh, they also didn't allow streaming or filming. Right. So you asked uh, Kristen, right, about like, where can we see those testimonies? Mm -hmm. Testimonies are great. And I'll tell you why. We really were like maniacal trying to keep them to 10 minutes. So we really wow. hit the high points of our different areas of expertise. Um, a couple of people went over a little bit, but you know, they're short. They're really potent. I thought Steve Kirsch gave an excellent uh, uh, talk. His was really good. Uh, Angus Dalgleish, who's like this top-notch uh, UK researcher in, he's researched, you know, he was a researcher trying to develop an HIV vaccine. Um, mm -hmm. He wrote a book about the origin of the virus in Wuhan. Like this guy is deeply studied, highly funded, mm -hmm. and he's an oncologist and he he's a melanoma expert and he's seeing all of his patients relapse after the booster. And, and he's mm. been speaking up publicly about it. And, and they haven't touched him. He's still working, but they've made things difficult for him. And he gave a great talk. And you know, the most important thing is, is what happens with that talk. So 15, right. uh, Andrew said there were 16 MPs and lords, right? MPs are members of parliament. Um, there were some lords there. Remember, there's the House of Commons, and then there's the House of Lords. And so you know, <laughs> and it's really funny when you're in parliament, the the lords are on one side. It's a huge building with all these hallways, but there's green carpet where I think the green carpet were the commoners and the lords were red. And so as a commoner, you don't walk in the area with red carpet because actually want to know who did that? Steve Kirsch. <laughs> he, he, he went in the wrong direction and somebody had to admonish him that he was in the House of Lords and he had to go back to the commoners. Um, you can is so funny. And so anyway, the, but the point is, is that, um, you know, I asked Andrew, you know, how many were unexpected? And he said about eight or nine were unexpected attendees. And so I got to tell you, I've, I've now testified in a number of different parliament settings and meetings. That was the best turnout. And, and the other thing that Andrew tells me privately is he says there's really a few dozen MPs who are completely behind him. And oh, but quietly... I don't yeah. know what it is to mean to be behind him, you know, secretly and, and just don't yeah. say anything. In public. But Andrew's lived experience. Again, you, you read the newspapers. He's crazy. He gets kicked out of the party. He's, uh, you know, because that's what they do. They want to attack your credibility. But mm -hmm. when I've been with Andrew, people come up to him. The things that they say to him, like the common man on the street, they yeah. just come up and say, I don't agree with everything that you say, but. I really appreciate what you're doing. I think it's really important, you know, but he usually gets just really, um, you know, a lot of appreciation and connection wherever he goes. And yet he's vilified in the press. And so, oh, yeah. 
you know, you, you, there's oh, yeah. these two different worlds. There's, you know, these really good, courageous, honest, accurate, you know, men steeped in data, trying to speak truth. And yeah, we get hammered in the media, media, but uh, you know, we have we have a lot of supporters, and and that they they keep us going. And so, I'll finish by saying, the the videos. I know they're working really hard because I've been harassing Andrew and his team. So they're, they're basically trying to get the cell phone videos and they want to edit it so that the slides and the audio match up. So they're working really hard. I think we'll have it out by today or tomorrow. I'm going to put, a, I'm going to put them on my sub stack and, uh, and then you'll see this more, but like Malone's uh, Malone's testimony, uh, his wife, Jill filmed it, put it on their Twitter. I think it had a uh, 1.2 million views in like 24 hours. Ooh, yes, yeah. I did yeah. see his, I did see his, I think yesterday on Twitter. Yeah, that's yep. so encouraging to hear that. Like, no matter what the media is doing, that's not what that's not what people really think. And I feel like it's just such a. It's like that gives me hope that it's crumbling. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that 1.2 million people are watching Malone, the fact that the media is, you know, all in your face about how terrible these people are, and then you go out in the street and people are praising him. So and Amy, that's totally. It's Nobody's totally analogous to what I was saying about medicine with that, you know, they subside on this diet of this source of information, which is captured controlled uh, journals. Meanwhile, most of society is, is, is still not most, I would say uh, the majority, but a growing minority is realizing, but they're, they're getting fed from corporate controlled media that is telling such brazen and rapid and voluminous lies that there's yep. this, there's these two realities, right? And so there are people going to like you guys, independent media, where you, you're not on the influence of financial interest. You're not controlled. We still have, you can still say what you want. Hey, I can drop an F-bomb right now if I wanted to, right? Yes. <laughs> well, so, one thing before you go, one thing we did want to talk to you about, like when we saw you in Savannah, we were like, we got to get him back on because that was right after you had just kind of started writing your papers about the shedding, the conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah. Big conspiracy theory that, you know, all of us were crazy for questioning or wondering or thinking like, is this, is shedding happening? What is that all about? And so we'd love for you to touch on what you found with yeah. that too. So let me, let me give you like a two to three minute drill of like kind of the science and we'll talk about what it means clinically. Um, so we knew when I say we, me and my partner, we knew shedding was happening. I mean, we take care of over a thousand patients, long COVID, long vaccine, by the way, just to be clear. You can get ill from being exposed to someone vaccinated. You don't have to be unvaccinated to get sick. I mean, my vax injured patients, I have, it, it's, it's a minority, but they actually can get shed upon too. So like shedding is not just vax to unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing. We were seeing unmistakable patterns. We were having some of our patients just be like, they could just tell every time, either they noticed that it was certain people that came over or when they went out of their house, their symptoms got, you know, were amplified. They flared. Or someone would go to the store or any crowd or to a school and they would get sick. Or they just couldn't be around people. So we knew it was happening. And I'd been meaning to do the deep scientific dive. And then when I did, I was absolutely stunned. Um, I found out a few things. Number one, the FDA has a document from 2015 about that defines shedding in terms of gene therapy medical products, which is what these are, right? They're gene therapies. Shedding is a known consequence of using gene therapy. In fact, there's another product that's called Luxterna. It's for the, it's like a gene therapy for the eye. It literally says on their insert that, you know, uh, the products of that gene therapy will be found in the secretions and the dressings for up to seven days. Now with this, these vaccines, 
The data on duration is all over the place. We have as long as 187 days we're seeing spike protein in the blood um, in some of the vaccinated. And so that's not very well studied. But so number one, vaccines are gene therapies. Number two, shedding is a known described entity of gene therapy products. Number three, FDA I can't see where they require it, but they literally strongly recommend not only animal shedding studies, but human shedding studies. Mm -hmm. um, further, these vaccines were released without shedding studies. Actually, scratch that. There was a mention that through a FOIA request, uh, we discovered or someone discovered that Pfizer did a shedding study in rats, um, but we don't know the results. So there's like a small shedding study in rats, but we don't know the results. But the more important thing, is that besides being gene therapy products, these vaccines are much better understood as in the category of nanoparticle technology. Because remember, the vaccine, the mRNA, is encased in this tiny, tiny little fatty uh, nanoparticle, lipid, right, little, little fatty membrane. And that's what encases the mRNA, and then it's injected into you. And those lipid nanoparticles can pass through every physiologic barrier vessel walls, cell walls, uterus, placenta can go to breast milk, right? And I review all of the science and evidence of where we're finding mRNA and spike in all of those fluids, in the blood, in the tissues. Um, and the other thing is, is once you start making spike, which is the product of the vaccine, because that's, that's what shedding is defined as, it's the release or excretion of products of gene therapies. Hello, spike protein. So the spike protein, once that's made, that can get enveloped in a nanoparticle when it's because it, we have nanoparticles in us. It's a biological uh, structure. We, we call them exosomes when they're um, uh, biological or endogenous. But those exosomes can take up spike and you can release exosomes in the exhaled breath, sweat, tears, uh, urine, feces, breast milk everything. And I, I'm of the opinion that these exosome containing spikes, it's mostly inhalation because I don't know what that happened there. Oh, I think I'm making too much. I don't know what this goes awesome. on here. But... That was a great effect. It was like having perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think could make hand gestures and make things happen. So I should know what they are, and then I'll have like cool things. Yes. Um, but, but so that's kind of my, my three minute drill. But I really think it's about exhalation and inhalation. So you can inhale uh, nanoparticles, and and then another point I want to make is. I started reading about this nanoparticle industry and I was reading these review papers. Like as of one paper I read that was published a year ago, as of that time, there was 1,814 consumer products using nanoparticles. And in every review paper of this emerging therapeutic kind of um, approach, over and over they say more studies are needed to evaluate potential toxicities and implications for the environment and towards others. More studies, more studies, yet we're launching nanoparticle technologies all the time. It's like another example of humans launching a technology for which they have not studied, cannot assure the safety of. Okay, so that's the science. And then you come to the clinical evidence, and the clinical evidence is, is quite concerning. So there's one paper still on preprint, and it was one of the first papers which, which really robustly correlated excess mortality with vaccine rollouts. I'm sure you guys have seen and heard us yeah. talk about excess mortality correlated. Now, in that paper, now I didn't pick up on this when I first read the paper, but I, it was cited in one of my um, uh, shedding uh, papers that I was reading. But apparently in that paper, they found a correlation 
between excess mortality in kids paired with the adult vaccine rollout at a time when kids weren't getting the COVID vaccines. That is mm-hmm. I know that makes sense. It was makes- really wow. strong. So it's like during the 18 weeks after the adult vaccine rollout, you saw this, this tracking increase in excess mortality in children who were not candidates for the vaccine at that time. And so, but it ended after 18 weeks. Oh, and then, and then like the case reports, even in the Pfizer post-marketing study, the mm. stuff you heard, like these breastfeeding events, like kids oh, yeah. with like strokes, seizures, acute respiratory failure, like after breastfeeding. And so, yeah, I mean, there's really striking sort of, you know, reports of things. There's that study. And then for me, in my experience in treating shedding um, exposures, the number one shedding symptom is irregular menstruation. Flat out, one hundred percent. That's the most common thing. Is that, and, and by the way, most shedding victims are women. I think they're just more sensitive. It's not clear to me why. It's not all, but certainly. In fact, I just saw a patient yesterday who hadn't read my Substack. A lot of my patients actually do read my Substack, and I'm talking to a patient yesterday. You know what he tells me? He says, you know, because he's he hasn't been doing well lately, and he's telling me, he said, you know, this other, this other thing, Doctor Corey's like. You know, I just, I can't go to the grocery store anymore. He's like, or even the farmer's market. He's like, every time I go like to Trader Joe's, he's like, within half an hour, he says, I feel terrible. I feel sick. I have to actually leave the place. And then he's telling me he was at a crowded farmer's market and he literally had to leave within 15 minutes. And I asked him, I said, I said, hey, um, you know why that's happening, right? He's like, I have no idea. He's like, but those places make me sick. And I told him about shedding. I gave him the link to my, my series and, um, and then if you guys saw that series, after I kind of put out all of the evidence, um, the comments, the people writing back to my essays yeah. or my posts, I mean, a lot of them were some of them were like, you know, biomedical researchers, physicians who had had these experiences. So they, they were like literally very objectively and accurately and very uh, compellingly describing these shedding events. And so um, the last thing I'll say is Paul Merrick was at a conference a month ago and he met a team that have actually completed a study. Again, I don't know the methods. I don't know the size, but they literally took, let's say, I think it was 100, 100 vaccinated women, exposed them to 100 vaccinated women. Again, I don't know what the type or style or form of that exposure or duration, um, but they're telling us they found a high rate of menstrual abnormalities in the wake of that exposure. Wow. being reported by the unvaccinated women. And yep. um, it's apparently very, very deep into the peer review process, and it's supposed to be soon to be published, but that was 25 days ago. So I think yeah. it's running into a little problems getting published, but, you know, I, yeah. we last we heard from them, it should be published soon. But that's kind of, um, I would point your listeners to, to my Substack if they're interested in reading more, but uh, yes. it's highly referenced, cited. And, and Yeah, I'll add that to the Substack. And I also want to point out with the clinical trials, didn't they tell people that if they got pregnant, they didn't want, they people were excluded from the clinical trials with Pfizer, I know. Um, with, with very weird language, right? Because a lot of yeah. us like you picked up on that. We, we saw that in the Pfizer protocol. It's like, that's weird. You're yeah. excluded from the trial if you're... If you get pregnant, like they didn't want you to get pregnant. And if you were pregnant, so, but also if you got pregnant and I think the men or they had to use protection too. Like, so there was, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not not either have sex or they had to, I almost feel like they said there was a period to not have sex. Am I wrong? It was so weird because 
this is the trick is it made me so angry when I realized, but if you literally read that little section in the trial protocol, they use the word exposed in two different ways. In one way, they say someone exposed to the intervention, meaning who got the vaccine, you know, so they, you know, like, but they use it very, it's like almost on purpose that they use it in this odd, unexpected way. Like when you get vaccinated, you say, oh yes, I was exposed to the vaccine last week. No, right. you were injected with the vaccine yeah. to get exposed. Yeah. And then they use it for, in terms of like an environmental exposure too. So, cause it's a maddening section and I think it's deliberately obfuscated. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because that's another piece of evidence to show that this stuff is real. No, the yeah, last thing I'm I want to say, I'm not trying to like be, be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Well, I was just trying to see if I could find it. Go ahead. Yeah. No, the last thing I want to say, cause this is the thing that everyone's asking is like, you know, what does it mean for me? Like, am I being shut upon? Like, you know, and here, here's been my experience on that is that it's definitely a minority who can clinically sense the spike protein that they're getting exposed to. Um, mm -hmm. Who are those people? What proportion of society are they? I think it's small. And I, th in general, I think it's those who are very physiologically sensitive to like environmental exposures, mm -hmm. toxins, you know, even pharmaceuticals, yeah. like some of my very pharmaceutically fragile patients, you know, they, they, you have to treat them with real low doses, real slow. Those are the ones who tend to, I think, shed more um, or, or be shed upon. Mm -hmm. But then I'm going to bring up a disturbing topic, which is this shedding series that I did came out in the wake of all of this evidence of DNA contamination, mm. right? You know, McKernan's mm -hmm. work and Jessica Rose and, and, um, and Buckhalter. Yes. So now we know all the vials are contaminated with DNA plasmids, fragments of DNA, which have uh, really disturbing sequences that they're finding in them. Those can be packaged into exosomes and exhaled. So here's where I'm getting really concerned because what does that mean for me? We still right. don't know if those DNA plasmids are actually integrating into our genome. We're going to find out soon. I mean, Jessica Rose told me that they're working on a test where they can take, you know, either a swab or cells and then they can, um, you know, then they can examine, you know, your DNA genome to see if any of those vaccine sequences are in there. So that's a question that I want to ask, because if they do find that those plasmids are integrating, I've been walking around in the world meeting hundreds, if not thousands of people who've been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And if, if, you know, even though I'm not clinically sensitive to shedding, I mean, I, I, I feel fine. I don't get any side effects from or any symptoms or anything. But what about subclinical? What does that mean for me? That, I mean, we, we, how many billion of people did we vaccinate in this mad campaign? It's five billion or some crazy stuff. And, right. and now those plasmids are being shed upon everyone. So I, I don't know if it's going to affect mm -hmm. my health in the winter. But you know what? Here's the other thing is philosophically, there's nothing I can do about it. What, what am I going to do? Going to live in my basement in a hermetically sealed like, bubble? Move to the woods. Yeah. Wow. yeah, exactly. So yeah. That's, that's my little piece on shedding. I hope, uh, right. I hope I didn't Thank you. disturb you well, guys. Well, we yeah. need that because I think that the vast majority of people don't know that. We all could tell stories of people we know that have very compelling experiences that would make you think it's absolutely we're real. Like, it's a conspiracy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We were told, you know, all of us were called conspiracy theorists when we questioned it, when we said we don't believe it just stays in the arm. We think it is moving to other parts of life. We, when we said it is a lab, it, it was created in a lab. All the things we were ridiculed for saying, we've been proven right. Yeah. And, and, and like, the thing is, it, it, was, it was the women on social media who were first pointing this out. They're like, hey, ever since everyone's been getting vaccinated, because the first two patients I treated, this is even before I had a practice, they, they came to me because 
One had had an appointment with an acupuncturist who had just gotten boosted. And she'd had, she told me she was like clock or calendar regular. You could set your calendar, you know, every 28 days or whatever. And she said like, after this visit, she had like cramping, uh, I think breast swelling, tenderness, and she didn't have a period. And she missed it like one month, two months. She didn't feel comfortable. Um, She actually completely normalized with ivermectin. Interesting. Ivermectin happens to work pretty well with shedding, at least at least with the dis, uh, dysmenorrhea or menstrual irregularities around. But I had two women like that who had had like close exposures and had with long histories of regular cycles. And you guys probably know this, but a regular cycle in a woman is, is almost like a litmus test for their health. If they're yeah. regular, they're probably almost certainly healthy. Right. And yeah. so, so when you have a disrupted cycle, there's something wrong with that woman's physiology that's disturbing it. And so it, it is quite shocking, but they were all on social media in those first rounds, of course, getting fact checked to they fucking shut down death. a whole Facebook page. Right? Cause they're just saying, Hey, what's going on? Everyone's that's getting it. vaccinated. And now I'm having all these menstrual regular, they're just tra- talking about their lived experiences. Right. right? And and then, and then there were some very astute, I think, probably well-studied store owners. And then that one principal of that school, you remember that school in Florida? They literally yes. said, if you're vaccinated, you cannot come for whatever it was, yes. two weeks or 28 days. Yes. And they, they wouldn't talk to the press. They just put it up on a sign. And then there yep. was like a store owner in Colorado who said, I have pregnant staff. If you're vaccinated, they didn't say stay, stay the fuck out, but I wish they had. Yeah, <laughs> you know, know what they meant. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of what yeah. I want to say now. My parents were uninvited to Christmas parties because they weren't vaccinated. I'm like, you need to turn around and say the same thing. You don't want them there. You don't want them shedding on you. 100%. 100%. So. Wild. It's so wild. But I'm so thankful, Dr. Corey, yes. for doctors Thank like you, for scientists like you, for actual evidence-based clinicians like you that are saying, what is the actual science and evidence? And the science is not Anthony Fauci. So my last question to you is not to end on a bad note. What do you think's ever going to happen to him and people like him who willfully deceive the uh, the world? Do you think anything's going to happen here? I know. I actually, I don't. I don't really know. I I remember I was watching a, an interview with Bobby Kennedy and and someone was asking him those kind of questions. And he yeah. just immediately says, I don't do predictions. I don't do predictions because because that's sure, the yeah. simplest answer. But I, I'll play along. I mean, and I, I'm not a political commentator. I'm not an expert in politics. We but are knowing what I know, because I've been working with government, I've been asked, you know, I've, I've talked to senators, I've had relationships, you know, the, the, the well-meaning ones, the ones who know that I'm trying to speak truth. Um, yeah. It's all about the party in control. So I yeah. think if you had, um, you know, let's say you had – both houses of Congress and or a president, or if you had a trifecta, I think there you could you could really have uh, a hard hitting, uh, meaningful investigation into into the, what yeah. these were crimes against humanity. But yes. you know, right now they they don't have the the Senate, and you know, even with the House, you need certain majority. Like it just you know, most of those hearings, although they're really interesting for people like, like us, you can see that they're toothless. I mean, these congressmen, yeah. even though that they, even though the Republicans are in power and they, they hold the majority, they can yell at these, you know, agency bureaucrats all they want. But the bureaucrats all say, no, I can't say anything. It's under investigation. I can't say anything. Under, so it's yeah. just like yeah. nothing. It's just like it's, it's, it's like yeah. good TV, but it's just bullshit. Nothing has happened. They can't Nothing's get these happened. criminals to stop doing what they're doing. So we'll see. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope. But I think that does 
that is a great point that I'm actually glad you made, which is how you vote matters and voting for people who actually are speaking out, but not just playing along, speaking out the balls to speak out, balls to speak out and say, Hey, something's really wrong here. Those are the people we've got to put in office and we got to get the ones out who aren't joining some people who aren't bald. Yeah, there aren't many, but that's yeah. who we need to we need to find those people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's yeah. gotta be justice somehow, right? Because it's a it's one, there needs to be justice for all the injured and the harmed people. And that's essentially with shedding, that could be all of us, you know. And then the second piece of it is that we can't allow them to do this again because we already know what's going on in China with the newest wave of some kind of pneumonia situation. Parents already freaking out of RSV here in this country. Oh. Fear-mongering galore. I literally saw, and I need to fact check this, but I saw this guy who does music for news agencies, and he literally came out on social media this week and goes, I don't think I'm breaking my NDA to say this, but if I am, who cares? Because I'm tired of this. He said every agency from Fox to CNBC to all of them that ask for music for their productions, that and he creates that, he said all of it, their description for what they want is fear. Yeah. And he yeah. said, I'm just warning you something. Wow. He said, I feel like they're conjuring up something. It's all fear, 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 fear. And yeah. listen, guys, we got to not buy into it. There's some yeah. scary things happening, but we cannot live in fear. It turns off your critical thinking. It causes you to follow along and you end up following the wrong people. You know, we got to We got to stay of sound and sober judgment. We really mm -hmm. do. Holly, you talked about the the women or mothers or parents, you know, afraid of RSV spiking because they're, they're, they're trying to get everyone. To, they're just rushing. They're just trying to sell vaccines. I mean, well, I, I look at it now because I'm so wise and studied. Now. Like a few years ago, I'd have been like, oh, RSV's on the rise. You know? <laughs> but yeah. now I'm just like, I'm like, you see it as what it is. They're literally marketing vaccines by using the media, playing that music, you know, you know, fear porning all like, you know, cases are on the rise. And then the CDC in concert, you know, in coordination and synchrony, you know, putting out their missives and their recommendations, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. And so like, and, and the people are just being like manipulated and led to the vaccination centers. And, and it's, it's, it's really dystopian Scary. watching it when you see it happening it's 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 this, it's this world that it's very hard to watch because you're seeing well-meaning parents they love yeah. their children and they're yeah. being like led to the slaughter willingly yeah. and i shouldn't say slaughter it's an overstatement but the, the vaccines are not safe and and they can hurt their kids and and so they're putting their kids in danger for no benefit and so that's why I want to make one last plug, flccc.net. Yes. Go to the yes. RSV food protocol, elderberry. You know, you can buy it in, the, in for now. You can buy it in the pharmacy. And your Dr. Corey's medical musings, that is your Substack specifically. And the FLCCC yeah. has a Substack too, but, and their website is amazing. And of course, yes, his book. I say, go read his book. Go read his book. <laughs> open your eyes, friends. Open your eyes and help other people open their eyes by sharing what you know. Just ask people if they know. That's all I got to say. Hey, did you know? Did mm -hmm. you know, you know, that there's now evidence that these vaccines shed? It's no longer conspiracy theory. Here, I'll mm -hmm. send you to a sub stack that explains it. Right. That's yeah. all you got to do. But we've got it. We got it. The only way we're going to help each other, we, it's not going to be on necessarily just social media or news because we know how that works. We are deplatformed for telling the truth. You've got to go have these conversations in public over the holidays. Doesn't have to be an argument or a fight. Just ask people if they know. I'm Just not say, you know. politics. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, we center.
Dr. Corey, we love you. We love you being our fourth square. We're going to do it again. Get home safe to the U.S. We know yeah. you, you're literally getting off a plane and you're in Sweden. I think mean, you're in Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. yeah. We're going to get you back to the U.S. soon, but happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks, we appreciate guys. you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Corey. Right. Thanks, Thanks, Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.